0: From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Hello and welcome to the IFN Weekly Podcast. My name is Nasreen and I'll be your host today. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode, Ms. Famida. It's my pleasure. Um, I think let's jump right in. Uh, maybe you can tell us as someone who has had over 25 years of experience in Islamic finance transactions. And I think particularly as the head of uh, and the chair of three different regions for Norton Rose Fulbright, what are some of the most interesting deals you have witnessed in your your career, um, particularly in Islamic finance?
1: Gosh, um, I think in a way, some of the most interesting deals happened uh, between about 2003 to about 2008. Um, That was, I'm sort of fundamentally a capital markets lawyer and I became involved in Islamic finance when the Sukuk market started to tra- take off. Mm-hmm. So when I first got involved in those deals uh, back in sort of 2002, 2003, we were working pretty much on a of Sukuk all the time um, and of course the problem with Jar of Sukuk is that you need to have an asset of an equal value to the Sukuk the you're looking to issue and not Every issuer has an asset like that, which is available and free uh, to be uh, put into a structure. Right. And so in that period from, sort of say, 2003 to 2008, there was a huge amount of innovation as we tried to come up with structures uh, that would uh, work from a capital markets perspective. So we moved uh, you know, from a jar as a cooks to a as a cooks to uh, Mudarabasa cooks Carlos uh, cooks and um, that and I think in 2008 uh, we also worked on uh, the first Islamic residential mortgage-backed uh, securitization which we thought would be the start of a big new market but of course as you know in September 2008 we had uh, the financial crisis, crisis. Mm-hmm. and so things really sort of slow down Um, and they slow down in in a number of for a number of different reasons and i think the the islamic markets um sort of have now picked up and the the hybrids the cooks that we are seeing come to the market now um, are i think we're trying to get back to where we were we haven't had that momentum that we saw in that right. five year period since. Um, but you know, there have been some, some great deals and um, I think Islamic finance now is is much broader and I think much more linked to uh, the, the conventional economy in the sense that when we see things that are working in the conventional economy, the speed at which uh, a Sharia compliant transaction which tries to achieve similar aims, uh, tends to be faster than that. So we've made a lot of progress, but I think some of that in speed of innovation that we had uh, when I first got involved in the market, uh, we haven't seen replicated. And what I'm very excited about at the moment is the growth of the ESG market and the way that interacts with Islamic finance. And so I I'm hoping that we're going to sort of see another period of rapid innovation taking place.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. What do you think are the challenges still? Because I'm sure that like there remains challenges that need to be overcome. Um
1: well I, I think what's really interesting about ESG is the speed of its growth. So um, you know, in the last four years, it has doubled in size. So I was looking at a at some numbers earlier and ESG is now worth $40 trillion. That, that was the number uh, in July of this year. So it's uh, doubled over four years and it's tripled over eight years. Now you compare that number of $40 trillion against the size of the Islamic finance market, which is just over $2 trillion, um, mm-hmm. at the moment. And that gives you a sense of the scale. But when I was talking about that speed of innovation in Islamic finance, from 2003 to 2005, I feel that we're seeing, we're sort of in the early stages of that speed of innovation in the ESG market. Uh And I'm not seeing the transition over from, I'm not sort of seeing Islamic finance embrace uh, the ESG principles as uh, comprehensively as I would like it to, because I think there is a, a certain level of conservatism um, in the Islamic markets, we know what works we 're a little worried about doing things that are new because you know maybe there will be concerns about them um, so uh, you know we 've seen in Malaysia the Hazana social yeah. impact Fund, um, but we haven 't sort of seen that replicated in other markets, mm-hmm. um, and I think we need to become a little bit bolder about that. You know we talk about uh, Islamic finance being about ethics at the end of the day having a system which is about treating people fairly and if we look at what um, the ESG market is trying to to do you know it is speaking the same language but looking at some different structures so I I think we need to be a little bit more confident Mm. and say actually we, we are doing very similar things and we have a lot to learn and one of the really interesting things about ESG that we've seen particularly coming to the fore in the last uh, two or three years um, ha- has been the focus on measuring impact. So it's not just using the right words and, you know, creating the right framework, but it is also about saying we have to measure that whether this right. works and does what it's supposed to do. And I think, you know, we, we can learn from that from, from a, an Islamic finance perspective. And also focus on the purpose of what we're doing as well as the form in which we're doing it so that debate uh, in islamic finance of you know form and purpose which i feel has always been there now has now we have an opportunity to really address that absolutely that i find very exciting right And also potentially opens us up to this huge market now. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the the funds that are investing in ESG, if we can basically put Islamic finance into the the same bucket, that does open up a huge potential additional market for us. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there has been a change in the kind of investors as well? In ESG, absolutely, yes. I mean, I think if you look at the big... Uh, investment funds. You know whether you're looking at BlackRock or, you know, some of the huge pension funds, they are now very heavily interested and uh, focused on ESG as a key area of investment for them. So that is, you know, that is something uh, that Islamic finance could also benefit from.
0: Right. I
1: agree. If it's able to, you know, meet the requirements of ESG.
0: Of course. Yeah. Correct. Well, aside from aside from the ESG. What kind of uh, trends uh, do you see in the Islamic finance and capital markets that are taking root now that might stay for a while? And like, I'm asking this, keeping in mind that, you know, things have been rocky this, this year.
1: Yeah, it's been a really funny year. Um, so we had uh, deals at the beginning of the year that, you know, that closed. And then from an Islamic finance perspective, we had a quiet uh, four or five months, but mm. uh, we had, um, you know, more deals coming uh, in September, and so now we're working on a number of, you know, in my case, the Cook transactions, none of which uh, have been announced yet, so I can't talk about them. But <laughs> okay, there's been there's been a lot of activity, and we're hoping that those deals will come to market in the first quarter of next year. Okay, um, and so they are mostly sukuk uh with hybrid structures uh sitting behind them um but i think what's been what i've found very interesting is um that the, the, there are a lot of um uh sort of what what i what i think that there there are deals which are uh taking out con- Conventional funding for projects. So the project has now been built. Some of that uh, uh, uncertainty which exists in a, a project uh, in its build phase has gone, and so you're just dealing with the cash flows um, that are generated by the project. And though that kind of project refinancing uh, we're seeing coming to the market uh, increasingly, um, I was speaking to uh, uh, a colleague in the capital markets field who like me felt that we had been expecting this for 10 years mm. and we're beginning to wonder whether it was just a mirage but it finally seems to be here so that's very encouraging because okay. that creates liquidity and puts it back into infrastructure uh, finance which is vital in so many areas where islamic finance is important um, right. We have seen a focus on sort of social impact and it's interesting how many clients want to talk about that. You know, there have been, uh, again, structures and projects that have been floating around for a little while, but it looks like those are going to happen. So I, I think it looks like the Islamic capital markets are back and we will hopefully all be going to market early next year. And it looks like projects might now be funded through the capital markets as well as through the bank market. And I think there will be a focus on sort of social impact and a growth in, in those kind of funds. So, for example, you might have seen that in September, climate bonds, conventional climate bonds, hit a trillion dollars um, of issuances, which was a, a real landmark moment. But we've also seen there was a huge uplift during... Um, the height of the crisis from sort of March to uh, September in COVID recovery bonds right. uh, in the conventional markets. So I think that sort of focus on using the capital markets to rebuild um, mm. is something that I would expect the Islamic capital markets to also reflect going forward. Right. Um there have
0: been some big developments also in you know um, markets around the world. Um, Uzbekistan is preparing for their first sukuk uh, corporate sukuk, I think, and also sovereign green sukuk. And Egypt is also gearing up for their sukuk issuances. Uh, from from your point of view, what's an exciting market in the coming year or two? I think. Um
1: I mean, that, you know, that, that, that is all wonderful news. Um, I think every time New Sovereign uh, issues uh, Sukuk, that, you know, that means that they have changed their legislation to make sure mm. that it accommodates Islamic finance for all of their issuers and that the Sovereign creates the benchmark. So if Uzbekistan comes to the market or Egypt comes to the market, that means that all the issues in, in that country are potentially able to uh, issue Sukuk without some of the regulatory or tax uh, issues that a Sukuk structure can give rise to. So I, I think every uh, debut sovereign Sukuk um, needs to be celebrated. In mm-hmm. terms of big new markets, I think um, uh, it's, it's been really interesting seeing the growth in islamic capital markets in saudi arabia you know that yes. is a huge market uh potentially and it is really interesting that they are increasingly using the capital markets including mm-hmm. Sukuk. so th- for me that that's an exciting development I, and again you know uh, talking to people in this market we all expect that to be a significant player going forward i think we're all waiting to see the uk government come back with its second sovereign sukuk yes the uk has the infrastructure in place for uh sukuk issuances but that second sukuk that the government remains committed to will still be a very powerful signal that um Islamic capital markets are not just for Muslim majority countries, but actually represent a, a source of funding for everybody. So mm. I think those those two uh, jurisdictions are, are of particular interest to me. But you know that there, there is still so much to be done. Um, so many different countries where it is really difficult to be able to have a level playing field for Islamic finance, and then until we have that, it's you know, it, it's difficult to compete. Equally with conventional markets.
0: Yeah, I got you. Let's talk about your work on, you know, inclusion and diversity. What have been some of the some of the challenges in this area, or maybe some of the exciting things that you've you've done in this area?
1: Well, I mean, this year from a diversity and inclusion perspective has been amazing. Uh, you now, I'm based in London, and for Many of us, diversity and inclusion, has been primarily about gender until this year. There's, of course, a huge amount of work to be done around uh, creating gender equality uh, from a workplace perspective. But in the UK, I think we weren't very comfortable talking about race. And what happened in the US in the summer with uh, the death of George Floyd was that there was a huge impact uh, in the UK as well, and so over the, the summer, uh, we in our firm and, and in the market generally had many discussions about whether people are um, disadvantaged by virtue of their race in making the sort of progress that mm-hmm. they should do based on their talents. So we. That, that, that I've really welcomed that focus on you know are we really being as fair as we want to be and so we as a firm you know now have targets not only about achieving gender um, equality but also race equality which I think is really exciting and important. I think from an Islamic finance market perspective we've you know we, we, we haven't had those discussions um, one of the things that I you know, particularly notice is um, going on to panels where there are you know, no other women yeah. very few women in a whole conference and right sometimes I look across the all the different sessions and try and spot the, the female faces <laughs> um, and don't see many of them and as we were saying at the beginning you know this is not a new market anymore this is a pretty mature market now it, it's been going for a good 20 years or so. And I think there aren't any excuses for that, especially when there is such a focus on inclusion uh, in other markets. We can't say that we are a, a fair, uh, you know, we're a system about fairness and justice if we're not representing half the human race. So exactly. uh, so, so, it's been interesting for me that you know, the focus on race in the UK, um, which is extremely welcome, I don't see that issue at all um, in the Islamic finance market, mm-hmm. this is truly global. But I absolutely see an issue around gender. And I, I think for a long time, when I used to be asked this question, I always said, well, I don't see a lot of women in the conventional um, space either. And I don't think that, you know, I personally am disadvantaged um, in Islamic finance. And I am not. But I think looking across the board, i don't see a lot of other women and i think Correct. it's important that i i call that out and say actually now is the time to change
0: yeah i agree with you completely because
1: <laughs> one of the really interesting things is if you you know if you if you do business in say malaysia or turkey or in a number of other jurisdictions you actually see a lot of women in the in the business arena you, you're i'm constantly dealing with women And yet, when it comes to these formal uh, situations, panels, um, groups of experts, uh, I don't see as many women as I would expect Mm -hmm. to. And I think, you know, for too long, we've all been silent about that.
0: Yes, I agree. I think it it has to be mentioned.
1: I think so. And I think if people like me don't, then, you know, to some extent, it'll be a long time before we achieve uh, the results we want. Correct.
0: I agree. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here with us again, uh, Ms. Famida. Thank you for your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.